Hi, everyone. I'm Sage Hill, and welcome to The Social Sage. Be sure to comment at the end of this episode. I definitely want to hear what your thoughts are on this topic, um, your experiences uh, as it pertains to what we'll be talking about today. And be sure to subscribe so you'll be the first to know when our next episode drops, which they drop every Tuesday. So today, I'm going to be talking about letting go, knowing when to let go, um, and letting go of relationships that no longer serve you or your best interest. Now, a lot of times people think about, you know, when we talk about letting go of relationships, that it's going to automatically be applicable to a relationship, a love relationship, right? Um, And there are certainly times ladies, that we need to know when to walk away, when you're not being respected, certainly if you're being abused emotionally or physically, you need to walk away from that relationship. And we all know that sometimes, you know, we talk about a woman's intuition But really, when it comes down to it, especially when it comes to relationships and certain relationships, we can see red flags and we ignore them. However, if we see red flags on behalf of someone that we love, you know, our our best friend or, you know, our sister or our brother, we can see the red flags. In fact, we can hear the sirens and we'll be the very first one to go to them and express our concerns to share with them the things that we're seeing that we know are not going to serve them well in the end. But why is it then when our own internal voices, the very soul within us is crying out to us to recognize these red flags that we very often ignore them? Well, relationships with a person, a love interest It is one thing, and we'll certainly come back to that topic. I promise you we will. But today, I want to talk about something that's a little bit closer to home, and that is our relationships with our family members. And sometimes, I'll even extend that out to people that have been in our lives for for years, maybe a best friend or, or someone that has been a really good friend or we've considered that person to be a good friend for years, but there's always been something that has been one-sided about the relationship. One thing that I've noticed, and I'm sure you all have noticed it too, that it seems to be within our families um, that when the matriarch or the patriarch in our families die, that we start to see cracks. We start to see cracks and the dismantling of the family structure as we've known it. Christmases don't look the same. Family reunions, people start dropping off. And even more so, if there was a matriarch and a patriarch in our family, maybe our our grandparents, once they're gone, 
then we see that slow decline of engagement amongst our family. And then another death happens. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle. And then that section of the family starts to disappear. We don't see them as often as we used to. We don't hear from them as often as we used to. I know I noticed this in my family. When my uncle died and then when an aunt died, we didn't see their families anymore. They, they stopped coming to Christmas dinners. Um, eventually, we stopped having Christmas dinner at what was my grandmother's house and, and it moved to my parents' home. And then when my father died, who was um, the next oldest son, when he died, um, the Christmas dinner stopped at our home and um, his brother took them on. But I tell you something that I noticed. Every time that the Christmas functions moved from grandma's house to my parents' home, to my uncle's home, we lost people. And here's another thing, and this really gets under my skin. So excuse the passion here. <laughs> but how many of you have experienced when someone dies in the family and after the funeral, when everyone's sitting around eating at the repast and talking about how you haven't seen someone in so long, somebody always says, we need to do better. We need to have a family reunion, go on a cruise, go on a trip together. We shouldn't just be coming together during times like this. Hey, y'all, let's do this. Let's do that. And it never happens. But we hear that same thing over and over and over and over again. I think people feel good and they feel guilty. They feel good saying it because it makes them feel better than guilty because they have been absent for so long. It's always good when we come together as family. But what's not good is when we don't maintain those relationships. And there's always members of the family, the select few who try to keep everyone together, who reaches out to just say, hey, how you doing? Just thought I'd check on you. Pick up the phone, send a text on Facebook, making sure to stay engaged in what's going on in your family's lives or on Instagram or whatever form of social media that you all utilize. But here's the thing, even with family, it can get tiring to always be the one who's reaching out. It can get tiring to realize that, wow, how long it's been since I have really spent time with my family. I'm going to be real personal here. And if anybody in my family is listening, I can guarantee you they're not going to be happy, but it's okay because I'm going to speak the truth. During COVID, 
when our families couldn't be together. I think we had gone through that first Christmas holiday. Um, maybe not even that first one. I think it was, yeah, it was that the first Christmas or so after during COVID. It was during COVID. And I decided I wanted to pull everyone together because a lot of people in my family were elderly and coming together at that time just wasn't safe. So I decided to put together a Zoom and I have quite a large family. So I got on Facebook. I started sending out notifications. I reached out to the one person in the family that I knew pretty much kept in touch with everybody to some degree. And I said, let's do this. And so got all of my family together on Christmas day. We all came together on zoom, had put together a presentation the way my uncle used to do years ago with pictures from years gone by. And with each and every family represented in that collage of pictures, um, cousins, just everybody. They played games afterwards. I actually had to leave the zoom running because I had, had uh, made reservations to take my mom to see the Christmas lights. And they stayed on there and they had a blast. We couldn't be together, but they were together. But since that time, I haven't made any more efforts to have another Zoom. I thought I'd sit back to see if somebody else would do it. No more Zooms. I reached out and said, why don't we all get together and, you know, I'll let everyone come to my home. I have plenty of space. Um, that's when I was staying in my, in my home before I moved to a townhouse and I had ample space. In fact, part of the reason that I bought that home was so that if family ever came, they would always have a place to stay. They would never have to rent a hotel. We talked about having this family get together. And of course, it never happened. And I'm sure that this story that I'm sharing with you, though personal it may be, is not unique. I'm sure that many of us have experienced the same thing with our families where we just don't stay together. And what's interesting to me as I look across cultures and you know, I see, you know, Caucasian people in groups together going out to eat, you know, whether they're family or just close friends. They've been friends with folks since they've been in elementary school, still friends to this day, going out to dinner, fighting over who's going to pay the bill. I see the um, my Latin brothers and sisters that get together and just their families come together and they just have a great time together. And, and I'll even be even more transparent. My family is split in two based on who your grandfather was. My grandfather's side, we are not as united as his brother's side of the family. They get together all the time every holiday, in between holidays. They plan the family reunions. Our side barely goes. And I'll raise my hand too, because I'm not even in Indianapolis anymore. And I really don't have any desire to go back. But they do it. But that's a rarity. 
What is it about our community that causes us to be so divisive, even in our own families? Why is it that we always have these rifts that tear us apart? Now, look, I I get it. This, This could be true across a variety of demographics. It's not just us, but I can talk about us because I am us. And I talk to people all the time that are sharing these same feelings and stories of dysfunction and disengagement in families. So when is it time to let go? When do you just step back and say, If this is going to be the way it is, this is the way it's going to be. But I'm not going to spend my energy chasing after people that clearly don't want to be caught. So I decided, what if you went on a 90-day sabbatical? 90-day sabbatical. You don't text anybody. You don't call anybody. You don't get on Facebook and respond. You just go ghost. How many people reach out to you? Who reaches out to you? How long does it take them to reach out to you? Do they even reach out to you? And if that 90 days goes by, and you don't hear from anybody, add another 90 days onto it and ask yourself the same questions. And then make a decision. Are you going to continue to chase after people who don't want to be caught? I know we all get busy. And it seems as if there comes a certain point in our lives for some reason that when we move away or can even be in town, I'm sorry, we don't have to be in another state. We get married or, you know, we have our careers, we have our families that we become more, um, we start shrinking and we create our own little cliques. So we're this one family. But within our families, each section of the family pulls apart instead of pulling together. So instead of our family seeming to grow and our children getting an opportunity to know their cousins, to spend time with their cousins, to grow up with their cousins, to have dinners with their cousins, we are more just, we're self-focused within our own little small cocoons. We create cocoons around our immediate families. And sometimes that's to the exclusion of brothers and sisters. I know people whose own brothers and sisters are haters, won't congratulate them when they accomplish anything won't invite them, will have little events and decide to go to dinner or do this or that together and exclude the other person. 
And why? What is it that happens to us? What causes us to be so petty? What keeps us from wanting to be a family? What keeps us from wanting to love each other unconditionally? Now, some of you may say, well, is it unconditional love to just walk away? Uh, It's self-love. It's self-love. Because I can guarantee you this. If you are the only one that's ever reaching out, if you're the only one that's ever reaching out, that hurts you when it's not reciprocated. And it has to hurt you to know that if you didn't do it, it wouldn't be done. So then is it really selfish or is it self-care? I think it's self-care. And just as a side note, I'm not always the one reaching out. I grew tired of that a long time ago. When I recognized that if I didn't, I probably wouldn't hear anything. And here's the thing that's so funny. Don't start to to do something that becomes noticeable. People show up that you haven't heard from or seen in years. And that's even more sad. Because you shouldn't need something from me in order order to want to be with me. I shouldn't have to give you something in order to have a relationship with you. Relationship should come natural. So start practicing self-care because that's exactly what it is. And we have to start being willing to have the hard conversations, to make the difficult decisions that serve us best. Look, this is a mental health thing. It's emotionally draining to give and give and give of yourself and not get anything in return. And I don't care what relationship that is. That includes your friendships. Does it just make you feel good to be able to say you have a friend, but you don't really feel the friendship? You don't feel the love? It's a one-sided relationship. You're the one that's always giving. You're the one that's always calling. It's all on you. But when you need somebody to listen, they're busy or talking to somebody else in the background or something else is going on and you can't get the same thing that you give. Look, I get it. There's times that people have things going on, but if you're always the one that is stopping what you're doing to see about somebody else, to listen to somebody else, to check on somebody else, but that same thing's not happening for you, then it's time to reevaluate the importance of those relationships, not just to you, but to the other individuals. Because if it was important, it would be mutual. We need to start having these conversations in our families. 
We need to start talking about why it is that we're so separate. And the next time we're at that funeral and somebody says, we don't, we need to stop meeting like this. We need to make sure that we do this and we do that. Stop. Because if you're not going to follow through with it, don't talk about it. Put your money where your mouth is. If you really want to be a family, it's not that hard. It's not hard to pick up the phone. It's not hard to send a text. It's not hard to get on Facebook and send a message. It's the little things that make people know that you care about them. And it's those little small gestures that let you know that other people think about you and care about you. I don't want a lot of people coming to my funeral that didn't come to see me in life. Forget the flowers. Forget giving me my flowers. I think that that is really just a a symbolic statement that really speaks to something different. And that is this. If you can't check on me while I'm here, don't bother checking on me after I've checked out. Because I don't know you're here. It's the little things. Take control of your emotional life. And start taking an inventory of the people that check on you. And if they can't check on you, maybe it's time to check them off. This has been Sage Hill. I'm the social sage. Let me know what you think. What are your experiences with your families? Have you noticed a difference since members of your family have passed? How much time do you spend with your family? And hey, I hope I hear some of you say, our family's not like that. But I have a feeling that I'm going to hear many, many more people say, Yeah, been there, done that. Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure, my treasures. Have a good day.